Welcome to the Big Church Podcast. We are a church in Barrie, Ontario, Canada, and we hope you are blessed by this message. For more information, check out our website at bigchurch.cc. Well, we, um, we just joined heaven in singing. Thousands, the Bible says myriads of angels are worshiping him. And that, you know, the elders are crying holy before the Lord. So we just joined in a larger worship service in heaven. And uh, it's awesome when we can do that. God's so awesome. Well, um, I've been wanting to, and I started this but uh, when we were in the lockdown, but then we had Father's Day, and I kind of wanted to go with a bit of a theme. Um, and I wanted to talk about a biblical worldview. And la- we touched on creation, and we touched on uh, human beings being created in the image of God. We primarily focused on that. And we focused on that concerning the issue that we're dealing with, with racism and different things. And if we had a biblical worldview, we would see that everyone is created in God's image and that we are all equal in the eyes of God. We don't all measure up to the standard that he has, but we are all created equal. And so racism, how many know, has many forms. It's not just black or white. It's all different types of uh, ways that we can look at things. But if we had a biblical worldview and saw each other in the image of God and that how many know we're all a work in progress (laughs) and if we could extend grace and mercy to each other in the process of what God is doing in each one of us um, how many know the world would be a better place and so that biblical worldview alone in knowing that we are created in the image of God can change the way that we live amen and so there's five primary things in the biblical uh, Christian worldview, and they are creation, and then there is evil, because there's, what do we think of evil, and what does the Bible say about evil? Because, um, you know, it's out there that nothing is evil unless I think it is, and it's all subjective, and, you know, what might be evil for one's not evil for another, and, you know, what is evil? And so we need to understand what is the biblical worldview on, uh, on evil because that's part of our worldview. We believe there is evil. I think there's enough bad things out there we could say that's evil. Right? But, and then the, the next thing, the third one is rescue. Um, and that, that God came uh, to earth. Of course, he came through Jesus incarnate. And he came to rescue us. And then um, the, the next worldview, uh, biblical worldview, is new life. That God has continually sent his Holy Spirit and he continually, Christ in us, is causing us to walk in new life. Amen? And then the last uh, biblical worldview is restoration. That God is going to literally restore. You know, everyone's like, oh, what if all the money crashes and the whole market and everything? It's like, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, like... We, we, it's going to happen. And the main thing that I want to be concerned about is that I'm working with God and I'm on God's side in the process. Amen? Because God's in the restoration process and he does restore all things to himself. And 
but he, he, we have to understand his view. And so that's what a biblical worldview is. But today I want to primarily focus on, on evil. Um, I'm not going to focus on defining evil because we walk out of here depressed, okay? Um, if, if you want to know evil, um, there's the obvious. How many know murder is evil, right? There's, there's some blatant things that are evil, but there, there's Bible says there's also other things that are, that are evil. You know, there's one thing that God hates, uh, and we'd be surprised, but one thing that God sees as evil and he hates is gossip. Like, God really has a problem with gossip. Why? Because it divides and it's, it brings dissension. God is a God of, that is restoring and bringing things together. And causing things to come together. So gossip works against him. So, you know, there's, there's, you'd be surprised some things that are, that are evil that God says are. And I'm going to get you to dig into the word of God and find those things. Because I want to go to the source of, I think I would say, is the beginning of the opening door to evil. And uh, kind of is the springboard. And let's go to Genesis 3. We know that God created everything, and at the, at, in Genesis 1 and 2, he, he created the garden. He created trees to bear after their own kind. He created, a, all they had to do was maintain it, but it continually produced fruit for them. So God created this beautiful place where they didn't even have to work. All they had to do was maintain everything that was already there, and it would reproduce after its own kind. It was awesome. But we know there was a tree in that garden that God said, no touchy, right? No touchy. And, uh, and God still has this no touchy. You know what that is? It's your tithe. It's that first fruit of all your increase. God says, that goes to me. It goes to my house. It goes to what I've ordered to be able to, to work through, which is his church. Amen? This is the instrument. And so there are certain things we don't touch, and we honor him. But in this case, there was a tree, and God said, well, let's go to it. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, and this is the thing I want to really focus on today, because this is the door opener for all evil. Did God really say? Did God really say? Did he really say that? Because this is what he does, and this is how he took a twist on this. Did God really say, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? So he takes a partial truth and he extends it. He basically said, you're not allowed to eat from any tree? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. Duh. But God did say, you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. 
reverse psychology. <laughs> For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So this is the, the way the enemy always works with all kinds of evil, is he gives you a side to it, but he doesn't show you the price tag that's on that. And he distorts truths and he twists things in a way that you can reason yourself into falling into his trap. And that's why we're going to look at this, why God has established a certain way that we can keep in check. How many want to be careful that they don't do evil? You wouldn't be here if you, you weren't wanting to do that, right? So, or all of you that are watching online, um, you, you, God has made a way. And it says here, but, but I want to just read the account quick. It says, so the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. And so she took some of it and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? How many know God knew where they were? You know, God asks us a lot of questions for, his, for our sake, not his sake. And he was wanting Adam and Eve to know, look, you got to know where you are. And he, and he answered, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And here is uh, another one of the ultimate sins that continues throughout the generations. And the man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. <laughs> blame. Blame. Not accepting responsibility, but blaming someone else. It's a huge trial. Do you think that if Adam had have been honest right there, Things could have been different, but he immediately blamed. Not repentant, not taking responsibility, but blaming someone else. Could have been different, I believe. That's one of those things I'm going to ask when I get to heaven. I'm going to ask God, because he hasn't told me now, so maybe when we get there, he will. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is it that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate it. And I, this is the part I love. Because this is God dealing with evil. It says, so the Lord God said to the serpent, because you've done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You'll crawl on the ground, on your belly, and you will eat the dust all days of your life. And I love this. God gives, first of all, he deals with evil. Then he begins to prophesy their redemption. He says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring 
and hers. He is already talking about the Messiah that's going to come from a virgin. He is seeing it already there. And he's saying, I am going to put an end to this. It's going to take a little while. I mean, you know, God's not in a hurry on a lot of his plans he unfolds. Right? It took a few hundreds, uh, thousands of years, but it unfolded. And he says here, and he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. So we get a little bit of a sting on his heel, but we get to crush the head. Amen? So he's, he's prophesying there. He's declaring this is what is going to happen. But he speaks and he declares, and I'm not going to go into the other part of how he dealt with the woman, how he dealt with the man, but I want us to see God dealt with the evil right away, and he addressed it right away. And so, but after that, God, of course, we're going to skip ahead. God modeled through Jesus how we're to live. And I want to bring out one scripture in particular because this one, I believe, sums up everything. How many um, think Jesus was pretty amazing when he walked here on earth? Many have read about him, those of you that are online. You know, everywhere he went, he healed, he restored. Where people, one Aaron preached, uh, was it last week or the week before? I can't remember, but um, about the, the one widow who lost her son and was having a funeral, and Jesus goes and literally raises the son from the dead. Like he just, everywhere he went, he brought life, and he, and he brought power, and he brought restoration. Why did he walk in that? We know that it was by the power of the Holy Spirit, but there was also something else. The, the Bible says he was anointed above all of us and beyond all of us, but why was that? because God liked him more? No. It's, it says this in Hebrews 1, verses 8 and 9. It says, but about the Son, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever, and a scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. This is what the part I want us to see. For you, this is talking about Jesus, you have loved righteousness and hated wickedness or hated evil. Therefore, because you loved righteousness and you hated evil and you hated wickedness, therefore, God, your God, has set you above your command, your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. Amen? So Jesus was anointed above his companions, above all of us, because he loved righteousness and he hated evil. Amen? See, a lot of times we, we either, and it's, it, we fall into this because we live in a fallen world. We are told things and we're, we're brainwashed even into things. But if we let the word of God wash us and let God give us his thinking, we would learn to hate things that he hates, and we would learn to love things that he loves. How many know it's good to hate some things? I know in today's day and age, everyone, we have to love everything. No, we don't have to love everything. 
because there's some things we have to hate because it destroys and we need to stay away from it. Um, you know, putting your hand on a stove is not a good thing, right? So I hate getting burnt by the stove. So therefore, I don't put my hand on the stove when it's on, right? You just, there's certain things you got to, there are boundaries and there's checks. But you know what? There's some things that they look good, but we don't realize that they, in the end they can lead to death. But guess who sees it? Who? Shout it out. God sees it. He sees the beginning. He sees the end. God who wrote and gave us all of these instructions wanted us to know something. And so I want us to go to Hebrews, uh, not Hebrews, let's go to Psalms 119. And there's so many scriptures on the word of God and, and what it's supposed to be for us. And it's so important that we allow the word of God to become a part of our lives and that we are continually receiving from God those things he wants us to, to learn every single day. Because God wrote a big book about himself, and he wants to be known. And the Google gods can't tell you the things that God wants to tell you. Right? We Google everything. Well, go to your Bible and allow the Holy Spirit to begin to teach you. Don't be quick to Google. Allow God to show you what he's wanting to say. We're so quick to, oh, I wonder what someone's saying on this topic. I mean, you know, it's just part of our, our culture. All of our young people now, you know, we used to ask mom, pa, and all of those. You know, what's it like? And they were the wise ones. Now it's like, well, pff, let's Google it. It's like everyone and their friend, there's so much information. I can be so smart. Yeah, but you're practically dumb on some things because you just don't have even common sense. Why? Because you learn that from walking with people. You learn that from life skills. There's things, and you can be so smart and miss it. Not that it's bad to have information, but you got to walk it out too. And application is so important. And God gives us instruction from his word. And I want us to just read this portion in Psalms. It says, blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. So he's saying, look, walking according to those instructions that the, the, the word of God is giving me. I'm, I'm blessed when I do that. Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their hearts. So they're seeking it out. They're not just, uh, you know, just tell me about it. And no, they're seeking it out. God, what are you saying about this? And I want to encourage you. You version, the Bible, you get it on your, on your phone. It's an app. Great, uh, great app. And um, even if you're dealing, like, let's say, with fear or whatever, they have all kinds of scripture context things where it'll teach you just on that or certain topics or th something you're struggling with. They've got so many things in it, and it's just the Word of God. They're giving you the Word of God, putting it and seeking those things out for you, but you have to allow that to get into you because God has something to say about everything. Everything. 
just like everyone else does, but whose opinion matters most? That's what I want to ask you. Whose opinion matters most? Whose instruction is going to mean the most? If I have to weigh things out, I'm going to side with the word of God and what God's instruction is. I'm going to put that to the test, which I have done for almost 40 years full out. And God's never failed me. And some of his instruction is a little weird, but it works. Put it to the test. And they do no wrong, but follow his ways. You have laid down precepts that are to be obeyed when you feel like it. When I feel like, you know what? I don't feel like following that one. That just doesn't... Mm. No, it's such that they're supposed to be fully obeyed. If God wanted us to be permissive, he would have given us the ten suggestions. You know what? Maybe you shouldn't murder. Mm, you know what? Maybe it didn't. He gave commands. Amen? Why? Because he's a good father, and that's what a good father does. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not put, be put to shame when I consider all your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Amen. We got to hide the word of God in our hearts. In other words, it's something that we have to cherish it's something that we have to desire and allow it to be something that's close to our heart. You know, there's, when you test the Word of God in your life, um, I'll use an example. I, I've used it before, but it's a very obvious, blatant example um, that is very evident for everyone who knows us to see. Um, you know, when we came to Barrie, we had come from a church in Newfoundland, and it was a real struggle pastoring in Newfoundland. We planted a church there, and we were a young family, and, and it, was, it was a struggle. Um, and financially, it was strained. God provided, but it was like literally last second different ways. It was like you were constantly, you know, just really believing every day, which is not a problem. And God was faithful. But when it came to Barry, I knew God wanted us to plant the church again. And I was like, I was a bit hesitant. I'm like, maybe I'll go get a job and then do the church on the side. And, um, and I, I was really contemplating going to do that. And, uh, and God said, you know, he says, you build my house. You take care of my house. 
and I'll take care of your house. And he has. And we are very, very blessed. And not because we've made tons of money to be able to get there. God has helped us, given us wisdom, given us favor. And he's instructed us along the way of how to get there. We've made mistakes along the way. Everyone makes mistakes. We're learning from those mistakes. But if, even in those mistakes that we're seeking to honor him, and say, God, what is it that you want me to learn from this? And continue to build my life. Continue to bless me as I follow after you. And so he does that. And he makes it very evident. But it, it takes us obeying him. And sometimes it's costly. Sometimes it requires something from you. But he comes through. But you know that song we sang, I will see it if I believe it. I, no, I will, I believe it, then I'll see it, I think. Anyway, you know what, I could just turn, it's right here. Yes, I will see it when I believe it. And God always says, believe me and I'll show you. He's not out proving himself. But we are always, God show me and I'll believe. That's, that's the way we are. It's like God, we want God to put it on the lines. God's like, I have nothing to prove to you. He is God. He is faithful to his word. And the more important thing is we have to prove ourselves that we are going to honor and follow his ways. Because when we deviate from his ways, he can't work like he wants to. He has specific ways that he works. He's a God of order. Amen? God of instruction. And so his commands and his ways are awesome. And it says here, praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. He's a good teacher. Amen? I don't care if you think you're dumb and you don't get it. He knows how to talk to you. He knows how to get through to you. He knows his kids. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. You know, the one thing that I've realized at this point in my life, and I, of course, didn't realize it earlier, is the promises of God are more rich and they're, 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 they're better than all of the things I have. All of the things we have, all the blessings are a byproduct of that word of those things that God has said, that is the richer part. It's not what we see. It's that that word remains. And it's powerful. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Amen? How do you start? Well, you start first by not going... Did God really say <laughs> when you open your Bible? It's like, yeah, there's times when you read certain things, you're like, oh. and you might ask him and he wants you to teach, but you don't want to approach it like with suspicion on everything. You know, and, and, and this is my caution that I'm seeing, is everyone will believe everything else and they'll put suspicion on the word of God. 
And there's so much proof and so much science. And I've heard so much of, and some of it, science will prove the word of God. It never disproves truths from the word of God. But there's a lot of theories and things out there, and it puts suspicion. And it puts you thinking, did God really say? And you gotta, you've got to really get before God. Ask him. Allow him to begin to speak to you. Because this is what Jesus said about the word of God, who, that he followed and honored. Matthew 24, 35. That's a good verse. He says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Amen? Everything hangs on God's promises. That's why the devil wants to discredit and say, did God really say? Because he knows heaven and earth hangs on that word, and it will pass away, but everything God has said will unfold and will come to pass. So what am I going to do? I'm going to put suspicion on it. I'm going to distort it. You know how the devil gets back at God? One of the biggest ways he does is he begins to distort the image. And the image is you. Every one of us are created in the image of God. And so what does he do? He wants to, he wants to oppress you. He wants to get you believing lies and believing things so that you are less than what God created you to be. And then he's slapping God in the face every time because he's distorting the image that a person was created in. And he's continually putting that in the face of God. See, look at them. Look at them. They can barely make it. Look at them. Look at them. And God is continually trying to gather and continually trying to restore us and bring us back to more. How many of you have been off track at times, and what does God do? He brings you back to his word. He brings you back to that truth. He brings you back to that place. Amen? And he's so awesome when he does it because his word stands true. I want to close with this last verse in Hebrews. And this is what we need to understand when we're approaching the word of God and we're approaching the Bible. Don't just read it like it's a book that is like every other book. The Bible is powerful. The Word of God is alive. It says here in Hebrews 4, uh, 12 and 13. Did I not give you that one? Just one sec. It'll, it'll be here. So um, I don't have it memorized. I should. It's a good one. I have part of it members, memorized, but I don't want to botch it. So when we, when we read the Word of God, this is what helps me when I'm reading the Word of God. If someone wrote a, something, a book about themselves, how many know you're getting to know them when you read that book? Right? So that's how you need to approach reading the Word of God. It's like I'm getting to know God. I'm literally getting to know Him. He's revealing Himself to me. And if you approach it from that perspective, there's always something you're going to learn about God or you're going to, it's going to be revealed about him that you're going to see. And this is how we need to approach it. For the word of God is alive and active. Amen? So in other words, that word 
is wanting to speak into your life where you're at right now. God is brewing and he's waiting and he's basically, he's got instruction. He's got things he wants to say to you concerning whatever we're dealing with in life. And there's all kinds of things we're dealing with. And so he, it's alive and it's active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. And it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. How many have had a, a verse all of a sudden, it just like you read it and it's like, okay, that, it just like penetrated. And some, how many have had it where that a word from God exposes an attitude or exposes something and you're like, that's ugly. Or ouch. We love the bless me verses, but the spank me verses, it's like, give me a spank verse. Spank me with this. You know, it's like we, we don't want those verses. But God has to give us instruction. And sometimes he's like, you got to smarten up there. This is, this is, there's a better way. And he always points out, but he, he reveals something that might be hidden in our heart. And this is what it says. It says, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Nothing. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. That's pretty harsh, it seems. But it's not when he's given us instruction and he's showing us a way that we can begin to walk. That would be cruel if he gave us nothing and we had to figure it out and just stumble on everything. But he gave us his instruction. He gave us his word. And it's a sure word. And it will keep us from evil. And it will bring us into truth and righteousness. Amen? So how do you stay away from evil? Seek the truth. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And everything else will be added to you. We got to put first things first. And you know what? When we seek that, we see what evil is. We see it clearer. We see it because some of our attitudes are evil. Some of our mindsets are evil. And they get revealed when we get closer to the truth. And we seek him and we seek what he's saying. Amen? So I want to encourage you. Seek after him. And, you know, we got this song. If we want to come on up with the worship team. Well, there's this, uh, this song, it's, it's All That I'm After is what it's called. And it's just, it's setting our hearts to seek after him. And, and that doesn't mean, you know, a lot of times we're like, well, I didn't have my Bible time today. Just walking with him and everything that you encounter in the day, asking him, God, how do I honor you in doing this? Always having that in the back of your mind. God, I want, I want to follow you. I want to seek your ways. I want to honor you. How do I do that? That's how we follow him and we walk with him every day. And then we seek those truths. And then we put them into practice. And we allow the word of God to become a part of our life. And that's where it just begins to bring change. And then God 
has control. The biggest thing that I love about following the Word of God is I'm not responsible for the outcome. If I honor Him in that area with His Word, God is going to prove His Word. Amen? And how many, you're, on, you're standing on promises now and you haven't seen them fulfilled? There are promises. I have promises for my family. I've not seen them all fulfilled yet. But I know God's true to his promise. Amen? His word will not pass away. And that is what we build our life on, especially in uncertain times that we're in. We need to build it on things that are certain. And the most certain thing is the word of God and the promises of God. Amen? So I want us to just take this time to just as we're worshiping, just seek him and allow your heart to be drawn to him. And just if you've maybe put him to the wayside and you haven't been seeking after him like you, you know you should in your heart, then just acknowledge that and allow his cleansing blood to come and just cleanse you and forgive you and allow you to begin to just be restored so that you can begin to walk in those things that he has for you because he has more for all of us. Amen. Let's worship him as we set our hearts toward him. So God, we just thank you. We thank you. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that this message has truly blessed your life. For more information, go to bigchurch.cc.